Greetings and welcome to an Odyssey into Oratory. If the spirit moves you, would you be kind enough to click on the follow button for this podcast? And please comment and share as well, as I'm your grateful host, Dan Riley. There was a time in this nation's storied past when presidents were among the nation's best orators. But in this modern world we find ourselves, that is not always the case. Certainly, we've had some presidents who have been terrific speakers over the last 60 years. Also true is that many have left us wanting. Despite that, it is still a very worthwhile exercise to undergo an analysis of their speeches and speaking styles. Because they are so high profile, we have all seen them speak. There is no other class of speaker, irrespective of one's exposure to politics, whose speeches have been more universally heard than those of a United States president. They make for great case studies because they are a shared experience. We've all seen and heard them speak. So in this fun podcast, I'm going to do an analysis of the last 11 presidents and their speaking prowess, or lack thereof. I'll begin with the least effective of speakers and end with the most effective speaker. Let me be clear, this is solely my analysis I have not consulted any of the numerous historical lists or the so-called punditry on the topic. At least one of my rankings is sure to surprise you. Lyndon Baines Johnson was the only president for whom I reviewed video clips. All the others I have been very familiar with over the years. This analysis has nothing to do with party affiliation, liberal or conservative, Democrat or Republican, public policy, or anything of the like. It is solely about the art and skill of public speaking. As I will discuss in a future podcast, the model, the blueprint, or the archetype for what makes a good public speaker, still today, is the synthesis of an extensive body of work done on the subject by Aristotle, Marcus Tilius Cicero, and Marcus Fabius Quintilian. These three are the fathers of modern-day rhetoric. As I begin the analysis, I'll leave it to the listener to decide whether each of these presidents would meet the first criterion of being a good orator as defined by Quintilian, the good person speaking well. On to the list. Coming in at number 11 is the current president, Joseph Biden Jr., Obviously, this is a very sad situation. To be sure, this is a challenging and controversial period in our country's history. In this podcast, I've stayed clear of these controversies and kept the podcast focused on personal development and the great skill of oratory. This could well change at some point in the future, but not today. As I've mentioned before, I'm an insatiable student of the rise and fall of the Roman Empire. The parallels between the final days of that empire and where Western societies are today are too similar to ignore. We in the United States in particular are in the throes of a decline. The black swans are in V formation and flying high. The first domino to fall may well be the US dollar. When it loses its status as the global reserve currency, this collapse will accelerate. Collapse might not be the best word. A more accurate description would be a counter coup, a coup that will counter the coup d'etat that took place on November 22, 1963. Be not alarmed, though. What rises from the ashes will be a much better society, a society rid of government corruption, 
a more egalitarian society. I have good reasons to believe so, and in a future podcast, I'll probably share those. Okay, sorry for that aggression. Back to Biden. There was a time he was a quite formidable speaker. He was eloquent, forceful, and believe it or not, he was a marvelous storyteller. Next on the list, coming in at number 10, is George W. Bush. As far as strong points go, he did project self-confidence. Now, this is an interesting note. All presidents project an abundance of self-confidence. How could they not? That's why as a class of speakers, they are so highly rated. Audiences immediately pick up on the level of one's confidence. And obviously, a high degree of self-confidence redounds favorably to the speaker. Palpable self-confidence alone can get almost any speaker a passable grade, even if they did nothing else well. Three factors that detracted greatly from W's speaking ability. Number one, he mispronounced too many words. Secondly, his body language was often incongruent with his message. He had a habit of donning a smile when talking about the most horrific of things. And lastly, his default body posture was often perceived as bellicose or hostile. He would thrust his chest out, put his shoulders back, and hold his arms straight down, not letting them move in harmony with his body, reminiscent of a dog holding his tail horizontal because it perceives danger. Coming in at number nine is Gerald Ford. When he spoke, it felt more like he was giving a report similar to a CEO on an earnings conference call. If he had ascended to the presidency by way of the typical electoral process, he would have either had to develop better rhetorical skills or the process would have weeded him out long before it reached the presidential level. Following Ford at number eight is Jimmy Carter. One of the things working for Carter was his accent. For reasons I know not, non-Southerners really enjoy listening to Southern accents. Compare that with a Midwestern accent, not close to the same affinity. In Carter's inner circle, it was well known. He tired fast of giving speeches. Public speaking was not his favorite thing to do, at least not about government and government policies and government prescriptions. He could come alive when speaking about values, ethics, or science. I remember hearing a pundit say something very interesting about Carter. I wished he'd preach what he practices. At number seven is George H.W. Bush. When I hear his name, I immediately think of Saturday Night Live and Dana Carvey. As for his strong points, he had great vocal variety. That's why Carvey found such success imitating him. Most people had not honed in on how quirky Bush's voice could be until Garvey exploited this characteristic. Like his son, his persona would have been inconsistent with using soaring rhetoric or imagery of nature as many skilled speakers do. The closest Bush came was a thousand points of light. Number six on the list is LBJ. With his six foot four frame, he had a commanding presence. Couple that with what was referred to as the Johnson treatment, his overall present was extremely intimidating. The treatment included placing his face within an inch of the person he was working over, cursing, cajoling, frightening, threatening, bribing, blackmailing, and on it goes. Whatever it took to bend that person's will is what Johnson did. 
This personal behavior had a spillover effect into his public speaking. He was constantly attempting to overcome the notion that he was mean. Given the times, we never saw Johnson at his best as an orator. Most of the time, he had to strike a defensive tone. With all the civil unrest, the political assassinations, the growing distrust of Johnson's close friend, J. Edgar Hoover, and of course the disastrous war in Vietnam, Johnson was almost always on the defensive. Coming in at number five is Donald J. Trump. <laughs> I can hear the groans. He should be last, goddammit. Well, hear me out. Of the 11, he is certainly the most unconventional. What really distracted from his speeches was his narcissism. Normally, I would not include that in an analysis because, let's face it, all these characters, save Jimmy Carter, were or are narcissistic. It is only a matter of degree. But when it gets to the point people can't stand to listen any longer, then the ability to be an effective communicator is obviously lost. Trump's speaking style was a hybrid between prepared and extemporaneous. If one was to read a transcript of many of Trump's speeches, they'd be lost. They would be unable to make any sense of the text. Yet, when he delivered them, he was very well understood. Trump was very effective at using facial expressions and gestures to communicate his message. Joe Rogan had an interesting observation about Trump. He claimed Trump's timing as a speaker was as good as any stand-up comic he had ever seen. Now, I'm not a consumer of stand-up comics, so I'll leave it to you to decide. The fact that he could speak effectively without notes or a teleprompter distinguishes him from most of the presidents on this list. Richard Nixon comes in at number four. Let's face it, everything positive about Nixon has been diminished by the Watergate scandal. I'll remind you, my list is based on speaking prowess, not popularity, not policy outcomes or public sentiment. It's about the fundamentals of speaking. Nixon was a master of the spoken word. He had a broadcaster's voice. Hands down, he was the best extemporaneous speaker on the list. He was the only post-World War II president, other than Trump, not to use a teleprompter. He would prepare and deliver a speech in classic fashion. Using a legal pad, work out all his thoughts, create the best sequence for the audience to understand, and then he would deliver the speech with no or little notes in a conversational manner. Except for his disastrous resignation speech, he rarely rambled. Of all on the list, the average length of his State of the Union address was the shortest at 35 minutes. Obama, Clinton, Trump were all over an hour. When speakers are evaluated, inspiration has a very heavy weighting. We tend to assign the term best when we really mean most inspirational. If my list were about the most inspirational, Nixon wouldn't even be on it. But as a textbook order, few were as good as Nixon. Moving to the top three, and number three comes in at Barack Obama. If we were to divide Obama's political life into two parts, the early years and the latter years, the oratory of his early career would make him a contender for the number one spot. As an inspirational speaker, he was second to none. But as he moved into the second half of his political career, his speaking style began to change. Like Trump, narcissism creeped into his speech pattern to such a degree audiences would notice. 
He was subtler than Trump, to be sure. But nonetheless, he became increasingly self-referential. At the eulogy for Senator Daniel Inouye, via many stories, he referred to himself 20 times in a 15-minute speech. Eulogies are typically about the person that died. Just as it was apparent that Churchill was a student of the trivium, it is equally apparent that Obama was trained in neuro-linguistic programming. No other president has used this skill as effectively as Obama. For those not familiar with the term, it comes from techniques that Milton Erickson, a renowned psychiatrist, developed in treating patients through conversational hypnosis. Later, Erickson's techniques were codified by Richard Bandler and John Grinder, which they called Neuro-Linguistic Programming, or NLP. The method of speaking has been around for eons. Whenever you hear of a speaker being referred to as hypnotic, you can be sure he or she has employed some of the methods that are included in NLP. It is a fascinating topic. Maybe it needs its own podcast. Who knows? I'll give you a top-line explanation on how it works. The speaker, through a series of rhetorical techniques, builds rapport with the audience, then leads and paces the audience to where he wants to take them. Once the audience is fully captivated by the speaker, he anchors what he wants them to do. Here is an example from an Obama campaign speech. Okay, this is Obama speaking now. A light will shine down from somewhere. It will light upon you. You will experience an epiphany. Okay, I'm going to pause there. There are two more clauses to that quote. The first three clauses are a distraction technique. The conscious you is trying to follow and make sense out of some moving light. While that is happening, the unconscious you is hearing the next two clauses, which are, you will say to yourself, I have to vote Barack. Thus, he anchors in the mind of the audience, I have to vote Barack. Just reading those five clauses on paper, they make no sense. It's a non sequitur. What the hell does a shining light out of the sky have to do with voting for president? That is why it's important to visualize the context. Obama has this crowd all fired up. They are going with him. And that's when he drops the anchor. Notice the two words used. Not, I choose. Not, I will. But I have to vote for Barack. In NLP parlance, that's called a command. Fascinating stuff. And our runner-up coming in at number two is Bill Clinton. Except for the number one pick, Clinton is the most charismatic speaker on the list. Southern charm on display again. It was quite evident that Clinton was a great admirer of Jack Kennedy. If you watch his mannerisms, especially hand gestures while speaking, you'll find they are very reminiscent of Kennedy's. Clinton is also a master communicator with eye contact and facial expressions. Clinton, irrespective of format, town hall, business gathering, or keynote, was always audience-centric. Audience members were always made to feel the speech was about them. You may remember the famous line, I feel your pain. He's lampooned for that now, but at the time he uttered the line, it was indeed perceived as authentic. I rate Clinton slightly over Obama because he was more versatile. He could speak with the same effectiveness extemporaneously or impromptu where Obama was not as effective off the teleprompter 
as he was on the teleprompter. And our number one speaker is Ronald Wilson Reagan. One can certainly be an effective speaker without charisma. Intelligence alone can make for a passable speaker. But if you're going to be a great speaker, you're going to need charisma. And Reagan had boatloads of it. As I've said on other episodes of this podcast before, no other president could deliver a prepared speech as well as Reagan. No doubt his training as an actor aided in this skill. And when you talk about likability factor, among this group, he has no equal. No presidential candidate in history has matched his electoral vote landslide in 1984 when he won 49 of the 50 states. As a speaker, he was extremely versatile. He used humor, soaring rhetoric, and was a natural storyteller. He was also a very disciplined speaker. He had his outline or script, and he stuck to it. Ronald Reagan was not a rambler. Nixon is the only other speaker on this list that averaged less time in giving the State of the Union address than did Reagan. Another aspect to Reagan's rhetorical skills was that he was able to deliver a specific line in a speech in a way that made that line memorable, while at the same time, this line captured the essence of the speech. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Government is not the solution to our problems. Government is the problem. This is a time for choosing. And they slipped the surly bonds of earth to touch the face of God. Okay, there's my list. I'd love to hear some of your thoughts. I was careful during this analysis not to let any of the untoward, illegal, or unethical accounts of these individuals enter my evaluation. Rest assured, I'm not oblivious to them. Quite the contrary. I'm acutely aware of them. It is truly amazing how talented some people can be in certain areas of their lives and at the same time be... Well, sociopaths. Remember Quintilian's first criterion, good men speaking well. And to our female listeners, I acknowledge how unfortunate it is that we didn't get to analyze one female speech. Well, when I do this again in 60 years, I'm confident we'll have a surplus of them. For my part, that's all there is, except for this. Please follow, share, or repost, and comment on this podcast. I'm your host, Dan Ryan. Until next time, throw off those bullbarns, sail away from the safe harbor, catch the trade winds. We're on the move now. We are excited to announce the launch of an odyssey into oratory, from speaker to spellbinder. This new dynamic and interactive speech training program was created specifically for the changing world we find ourselves in. In a business career spanning 40 years, from bagging groceries all the way to the executive suite, Dan has attended and delivered several hundred presentations and speeches. Throughout his odyssey, he has completed several prestigious executive speech programs. He is a four-time graduate of the Dale Carnegie course and a decades-long Toastmaster. But most of all, he is a lifetime student of the great orators, past and present. In combining his years of experience, study, and training, he has distilled and synthesized these lessons to create an online seven-week training course. While this course can benefit anyone looking to acquire or improve their public speaking skills, it was designed specifically for those working in a corporate or entrepreneurial environment. With his vast experience in the marketplace, Dan students will receive insights and communication strategies that are not offered in the traditional speech training program. 
It is an integrated course in that it includes many other components of personal development that will transform good speakers into spellbinders. For more information on how to enroll in Dan's course, From Speaker to Spellbinder, contact us at anodysseyintooratory at gmail.com. Additionally, you can find Dan's blog at spiritualsideofsuccess.blog.